This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 90 with Carmen Sanyovi. Show notes for this episode can be found if you go over to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 90. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Carmen Sanyovi is the founder and publisher of Top Flight Family, the leading online resource for luxury family travel. Her insights on travel have been featured in Travel Pulse, Hotels Magazine, Sea Trade Cruise News, Luxury Daily, Hotel News Now, and Travel Daily News International. Carmen firmly believes that you can and should travel with your kids from a young age. She offers families practical solutions for travel, as well as tips on how to travel in luxury without luxurious price tags. Before getting into family travel, Carmen was an online blogger. In 2004, she founded Racialicious, an award-winning influential blog about the intersection of race and pop culture. After that, she joined her husband in founding a martial arts school, and she worked there for four years as a general manager. So she's had her hands in a few different fields in the last few years. She's definitely multi-talented. Carmen was born and raised mostly in Hong Kong, but she also lived in Shanghai and Belgium before making New York her permanent home. Carmen graduated from Columbia University with a BA in political science and lives in Brooklyn, New York with her husband and her two daughters, Ella and Sean. So today we're going to be talking about lots of amazing travel things. This is going to make you want to book trips immediately. So just let me prepare you for that. We're going to be talking with Carmen about the top myths of family travel and the truths behind them, how to start small with family travel, especially if you're a little nervous about getting out there with little ones, or even if you're nervous about getting out there with bigger ones. 
Carmen's going to share the three most common mistakes families make when traveling. You are definitely guilty of at least one of these, but probably two. She's also going to share how to fix these mistakes. She's going to share the best upgrades that are absolutely worth splurging on. She's going to talk to us about how you can get global entry for free if you want to become international travelers with your family and make it a little easier as you come in and out of the country. And then she's also going to share her free resource, the 10 best vacations for families in the US. So, so much fun information here. I have the travel bug. I've had it for a while now, but I'm telling you, talking to Carmen, like really intense it. So you guys are going to love this episode. Let's go ahead and dive in with Carmen Sanyovi. Carmen Sanyovi, thank you so much for joining us today on the Shameless Mom Academy. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm excited because I'm very personally interested in luxury family travel. Like who wouldn't be? <laughs> so yes. I was delighted when you reached out to me and wanted to share your expertise in this area. Before we get into all that, go ahead and tell us a little more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're up to right now. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been a New Yorker for over 20 years now. So I live in Brooklyn, New York with my husband and we have two girls. Sean is seven and Ella is four. And I have a pretty international background. So I was born in Hong Kong. My father was Belgian. My mom's Hong Kong Chinese. And we actually moved around a lot because my dad had a job in the telecom industry. So that kind of took him around different places. So apart from Hong Kong, we also lived in Belgium for a couple of years and in Shanghai for about four years in the late 80s. So that was kind of an interesting time. China was just opening up at that time. And so, yeah, I was lucky enough to also travel a lot with my parents when I was a kid. So all of those experiences have definitely shaped who I am today. That's really cool. And I didn't get on a plane until I was like 11, I think, for the first time. And Mm -hmm. I went from Washington to California. So. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think I got on a plane again until like high school. So Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, it's not uncommon, right? Right, and, right. And that's really why I wanted to come on because I'm so passionate about, you know, really sort of inspiring parents to travel more with their kids because it is something that you can do. And, you know, for those of you who are listening who might be like, oh, luxury travel. Well, that's not for me. Please don't be put off by the luxury moniker where, you know, I plan to talk about travel in general. And in terms of the luxury piece, I'm actually planning on showing you how you can get a little piece of luxury without necessarily paying that price tag. So, you know, luxury, don't let that put you off onto this conversation because we're definitely going to be talking about things that are really applicable to anybody. Right. And that was, you know, when you reached out to me, that was one of the things you made really clear in your email to me that like, there's a lot of different ways to do luxury travel. And yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because it does sound daunting. Like, oh, well, yeah, like only certain people or certain families or a certain income level might be able to do luxury travel. But in reality, Mm -hmm. there are ways that you can make luxury travel or your travel more luxurious and accommodating to your family situation. So excited to hear all about that. You have a really entrepreneurial background, which I was excited when I read through your bio, I was like, oh my gosh, she's done all these really cool things. So you right now are in the travel field, but you've been in a lot of other places as a businesswoman. So tell us a little bit about where else you and how else you've worked in the world before children and then currently. Yeah, so I've definitely had a very eclectic career, to say the least. But I would say that, you know, throughout this career, the two threads that probably have been pretty constant have been media and entrepreneurship. Those have been two things that I've always had a real passion for. So 
I started out when I was in college actually wanting to be a print journalist. So when I was in college, I did a lot of writing for South China Morning Post, which is the largest English language daily newspaper in Hong Kong. So I was a stringer for them. And then after a few twists and turns, you know, after I graduated, I actually found myself on the other side of the wall in media, actually in ad sales, so advertising sales. So I worked for a few different magazines, and they were all generally in the luxury design space. So Surface Magazine, New York Home Book, and also Town and Country Magazine, which actually at the time I was there, they were launching Town and Country Travel. So that definitely had you know an impact on me as well. But then also around this time when I was in advertising and publishing, I started getting really interested in matters relating to race and identity, especially, you know, coming from a biracial background myself and then moving to the U.S. and having a bit of culture shock about how race is kind of talked about and viewed here versus where I'm from. That just kind of sparked an interest for me. So I started a blog called Racialicious, which explored the intersection of race and pop culture. And this was back in the mid-2000s, so really the sort of early heyday of blogging. And I also started a podcast, kind of a companion podcast to the blog back then. So I was pretty early on the scene with that as well. And so the blog, you know, Racial Issues, it attracted a pretty large, dedicated following. And, you know, I'm happy to say that it's, you know, even though it's not around anymore, it had a really lasting impact on changing how the media deals with this issue of race. And a lot of the alumni from Racialicious have gone on to amazing careers in journalism. So it was really kind of a springboard for a lot of, especially young journalists of color. So it's been really cool to see kind of where all my friends have ended up with that. And so that was sort of the media piece. And then kind of diving into a different type of entrepreneurship, the next change is when my husband, who's been a lifelong martial artist, he actually decided that he wanted to pursue the dream of owning his own martial arts school. And so he opened the school. And after we had our first baby, I decided that I would actually leave what I was doing and really help him grow the school and take it to the next level. So I was interested that we have a little bit of a similar background in terms of yeah. bricks and mortar, right? Health. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> So I came on board as the general manager and I really took over marketing and operations and was able to grow the student body, basically tripled in size. And then we also expanded our actual space, so doubled our space, which was really exciting. Yeah. Won a couple of awards along the way. So the school has been open for almost nine years now and it's still going strong. But now I've kind of moved on to the next thing and Serge is running that by himself and it's doing great. What does that compare? So I have a couple of questions. Actually, let's, I'll yeah. go back to Racialicious. I'm super impressed with just the scope of the blog and the podcast. And like you said, having that be a springboard for writers and people in media at that time and where they're at today because they started out with you. That's so, so impressive. And I mean, especially where we're at today right now with politics and racial divide, like it's interesting that you probably saw, you know, back in the mid 2000s, you probably saw this as like such significant work and how interesting we are here today. And it maybe is even more significant <laughs> work that needs to be done, which yeah. is how has that been for you to have had that piece of your history in the past, but living where we're at right now. Is there a pull still to connect with that past profession? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I spent almost 10 years 
in doing work around racial justice or, you know, social justice. And it became really a part of my identity. And so actually, when I decided to leave that behind and help my husband in the school, it was a really difficult decision because essentially I felt like this is who I am. Like what I do is who I am. And I think a lot of women have that experience. But I think when you add on to the fact that this was very mission based work, there was definitely the sense that am I just abandoning the cause? Am I a bad person? Am I being selfish for leaving this behind? And, you know, I'm not going to lie. That was a struggle. I was very concerned about what other people would think, you know, what my friends and colleagues would think, what our readers would think. And it wasn't an easy decision. But what I ultimately, you know, told myself is that what I really, in addition to sort of, you know, helping start this family business, I really felt like it was time for me to make space for the younger generation to come and do their thing. You know, I had Mm. been doing my thing for about 10 years. I felt like I laid a pretty nice foundation, but I felt like I had taken it as far as I could go with my energy level and my commitment level. And so for me to move on, it actually created space for these younger people to come and step into leadership positions and things like that. So I think that when I kind of reframed it that way in my mind, then it felt like the right thing to do. And, you know, as a result, like I mentioned, a lot of our alumni have gone on to do really amazing things. So it definitely looking back, I feel like it was the best decision. Oh, that makes so much sense. That so resonates with me with some of my work at the gym. And like I've gotten out of not not that my work at the gym is quite as significant as what you were doing with Racialicious in terms of connecting a racial divide, I guess, would be. But that feeling of making room for the next generation and feeling like you've done what you can in a certain space and then being okay with moving past that. I can relate Mm -hmm. to that. And when I started hiring new trainers to work for me after my son was born, I was like, I want to hire people who are better than me so that this business continues to grow and expand. And it's not limited by what I learned in 2003 when I became a trainer, but it's growing up to date today's standards. Yet I don't really want to learn all of the new hippest, hottest, newest exercises all the time. Like I actually really want to learn more about building the business and doing more things in an entrepreneurial sense. And so I definitely had that pull of like, this is my baby, but I need to step back for it to like do its thing. And then I brought in these trainers who are amazing. And now I'm like, I'm intimidated to go in and teach classes at my own gym because <laughs> they're so good. I'm like, I've like created this space where I'm like, I'm not sure I fit in here anymore. So. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you said that because I think when we think that way, I think what we don't realize at the time is that that's really a pretty egotistical thing to think that this mission or whatever it is, it needs me. I am the only one who has the answers. Well, that's just not true, right? (laughs) Like, There's always going to be other people that have great ideas that can breathe new life and new energy and bring new people on board. So, you know, being able to let go is also, I think, a little bit of letting go of our ego that, hey, it doesn't have to be all on you. Totally, totally. So what's the comparison, Ben, to go from being online to brick and mortar? Because those are two different beasts, if you will. And I'm very familiar with both of them. What has that been like for you? And tell us a little bit about like, because since you've had the school, you've had your two daughters then. Yes. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, moving into the bricks and mortar world, I think for me, the biggest challenge was that I was used to just sort of 
well, you know, when you're working in an online space, everything's over the computer, obviously. So you're kind of just, you know, you behind your computer screen. And even though, yes, you form really deep relationships and bonds with people, it's still not a face-to-face interaction. And so I am naturally pretty introverted. And so learning in a bricks and mortar environment to actually interact with people face to face on a constant basis. And as I'm sure, you know, not everyone is always super nice all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Not always, (laughs) not always. So, you know, there's always going to be some jerks like, (laughs) so kind of learning to deal with that and getting comfortable, you know, with sometimes with confrontation and learning to not take things personally. I mean, because I feel like there's always going to be a little bit of conflict no matter what realm you're in. But it's one thing to get a nasty email. It's another thing to have someone like yelling in your face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so different. Yes. It's so different. They're both very uncomfortable, but in very different ways. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I think for me, that was actually a good learning experience in that it really helped me sort of break out of my shell and realize that, hey, I don't have to believe the story that I tell myself that, oh, I just want to hide behind my computer all day. No, I have social skills. It's not my sort of natural leaning, but I can turn it on and I do fine. So I think for me that in terms of the bricks and mortar, that was the biggest shift. In terms of, you know, how motherhood impacted my work and my career, I think that, so Sean, our older daughter was born about a year after we opened the school. And, you know, I think for me becoming a mother really rededicated me to entrepreneurship because I saw how valuable and how really fortunate we are as entrepreneurs to be able to set our own schedule in the sense that it allowed us to spend so much time with our daughter. You know, a lot of working moms, if they get any maternity leave, they're lucky. But, you know, for those who get maternity leave, you know, typically it's three months and then you're back at work and they have to put their tiny little three month old in daycare. And it can be very devastating to have to, you know, leave them behind, especially after all these months of bonding. So the fact that we were able to spend the entire first year of our daughter's life together, that was really fantastic. So I think for me, it really made me realize that, no, I can't go back to working a day job. I just couldn't see myself doing it anymore because of this experience. So I think that that was one piece. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 50 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters, and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like 
a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explained. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And then I think the other piece for me was really having to adjust my idea of what productivity is. <laughs> if that makes sense. I think, totally. um, yeah, you know, when before I had kids, I was doing an insane amount of things at the same time. So, you know, what the whole time when I was running racial issues and those projects, I actually had a day job that whole time. Wow. And so I was working a day job. I'd run the blog, the podcast. I was also doing a ton of media commentary, especially this was like leading up to the 2008 election. So there was a lot of interest oh, about yeah. race. So I was doing, you know, like CNN and PR, New York Times, like almost on a daily basis, you know, I was getting on the phone with reporters. And so I was able to sort of work my day job, squeeze all of that in between without my boss noticing too much. And then at night, I would be going to the karate school to help out surge and I'd be there till 10 o'clock at night. And so that was what a typical day was. Now, once I had a baby, I just that kind of breakneck pace just wasn't an option. And so I think for me, it was really adjusting what I consider to be productive. So I feel like when you become a parent, it's this weird combination of you're at the same time less productive and also more productive. Because I think you probably do less stuff, but you learn to focus on the really important stuff and to really be disciplined with your time. So I would say that those were, you know, some of the changes in me. I totally agree with that. And I think that you prioritize things in a different way and you prioritize the most significant things, like the things that really have to get done to move you forward in different areas of your life. Like those are the things you're going to do. And then other things fall off the radar. And those are the things that were probably 
totally okay to fall off the radar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You realize that, oh, not everything is that important. You know, it's okay for some things to fall off. Right. This is the experience I had before having a child. I could work a 12 to 16 hour day and like I enjoyed my work and it wasn't a big deal. And I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I had to work a 16 hour day. I was excited about like, oh my gosh, look at all the cool things I did today. And mm-hmm. Did you feel limited after having a child because you couldn't do all those things? Like that was my experience. I was like, what about my 16 hour days? Like I really miss them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just a simple concept, like, you know, once my kids were in daycare, for example, just a simple concept of I can't work late because I have to pick them up at this right. time. Right. You know, like there's no option to work till seven or eight. No, I have to be at the daycare no later than six o'clock. Otherwise... Yeah you know, I get a lot of angry phone calls. So (laughs) yeah, so just, you know, those sort of kind of hard lines in the sand, I guess, are drawn. It takes a while for sure to adapt to that. But then what I've also found now that, you know, I'm seven years into almost eight years into motherhood is I'm realizing that it's actually a blessing in disguise because it forces you to not be this workaholic kind of person, you know, because it's the boundaries are set. You don't have a choice in some ways, but actually I think it forces you to maintain a healthier attitude towards work at the same time. Yes. And you actually enjoy more like life moments instead of it all being professional, everything wrapped around (laughs) professional stuff. Absolutely. So tell us about how you got into after you had both girls or was it just after you had your first daughter that you stopped working at the school? No, actually, that's very recent. Okay. So So talk about that transition, working out of the school and then into travel stuff. Yeah. So maybe I'll talk about how we got to this place and why I decided to start. So just in terms of my relationship to travel, you know, as I mentioned, I traveled a lot as a kid and actually we moved around a lot to different countries as a kid. And so probably not surprisingly, when I moved to New York for college, I actually had very little desire to travel (laughs) because a lot of my childhood had been pretty tumultuous. You know, it was great to be able to travel, but moving from country to country. And then even during my high school years, you know, we lived in Hong Kong basically throughout. But for some strange reason, my parents decided it would be a good idea to move apartments almost every year. Oh, my gosh. It was so much moving that all I was really craving was stability. And so when I moved to New York and in college, I didn't do a lot of traveling other than going home to see my family during school breaks. I didn't do much traveling and I didn't really want to because I was just like, oh, finally, I get to stay in one place. (laughs) (laughs) And you can be in control of it. Like, yeah, to choose if you move or not. Exactly. I'm not just being dragged along. So then after I graduated, Serge and I actually met our senior year. So we would start doing some traveling, but, you know, nothing hardcore, just like beach vacations here and there. And then we opened the school. We had Sean, our first child, and then we had Ella, our second child. And then one day we looked up and we realized, wow, we haven't taken a single vacation or even break in three and a half years. You know, this is the life of a small business owner. You know, you're just so focused on everything. You know, the business comes first, business comes first. And we just thought, man, we're stressed out. This is not fun. We're not where we would like to be. You know, this is not sort of why we became entrepreneurs. This is not what we wanted. We wanted freedom. So we decided right then and there, all right, we're going to book our trip, especially now that Ella is three and a half. It's so much easier to travel with her now. We're going to book a trip. And since then, it's become kind of an addiction. You know, we became like super obsessed with it. And, you know, we started looking around. And, you know, when Serge and I had traveled as a couple, we 
we're able to, you know, nowadays, you know, just speaking to the piece of affordable luxury with online booking sites like Expedia, there's so many amazing deals you can have. And so, you know, along the years, we developed a little bit of a taste for nicer hotels just because we get on Expedia and find this amazing package deal flight and hotel, uh, you know, at like the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons. And so we kind of were able to take advantage of those deals, even though we were on a limited budget at the time. And so, you know, when we started traveling with our kids, we started looking around and thinking, wow, a lot of the resources out there about family travel tend to be very much focused on budget travel, which is fine. But, you know, there wasn't a lot out there for families that want to travel with their kids. But you know, like to splurge on a little fanciness while they're at it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea for a top flight family came about because there were a lot of resources on luxury travel, a lot of resources on family travel, but not a lot really the intersection between the two. And yeah, so since then, something has reignited in me where I'm suddenly like, oh my God, like I want to go and see the world. (laughs) You know, I was able to travel a lot as a kid, which I'm fortunate, but there's still so many places I've never been to. I still haven't been to Africa at all. I still haven't been to South America at all. You know, then that's just two continents, not to mention all these other countries. And I just think back to what it was like when I was a kid and really wanting my kids to have those experiences as well and to be able to open their minds and see the world in a different way. That makes so much sense. And especially because you've come from that, even though the instability was overwhelming to you at times and maybe exhausting by the time you got (laughs) to college, that totally makes sense that you would have these memories and this appreciation for travel that you would definitely want to instill in your kids. Yeah, for sure. So I guess let's start with some of the myths, because you talk about this intersection of luxury travel and family travel, and that there's not a whole lot of information out there. And probably because the assumption is that if you're traveling with your family, you're probably not going to splurge on the luxury piece of it, because it's just a lot more expensive. And this is how my mind works. If I'm doing something maybe with just my partner or like with girlfriends, maybe I would splurge on the fancier thing, because it's going to be like my own time, and I can enjoy it in my own way. But like, if I'm doing a family thing, some of my enjoyment might be a little bit compromised or limited. So like, why would I do that the luxurious way? Um, Sure. So what are some of the myths that you see around travel with families and especially around luxury travel that you'd like to debunk? Well, I think the biggest myth when it comes to family travel is that it can't be done. You know, I think there's a lot of families who even have the means to travel. It's not like they can't afford it, but just, I think just psychologically, they're blocked and they just think, oh, this is just too hard. You know, all the best we can manage is maybe a weekend at a beach, you know. And so I think that the biggest myth is that it's just not something that we would be able to do. So, you know, I think the hardest trip to take is that very first trip. And, you know, as parents, we tell ourselves all these negative stories like we can't afford to take time off or we don't want our kids to fall behind school or we're worried our kid is going to throw a tantrum on the plane and everybody's going to hate us. (laughs) You know, we can't afford it. But, you know, I promise that no matter what your budget is or what your kids personalities are, you know, this is something that you can do. And it's something where you can start small and build your way up. I mean, just do something as simple as for the very first trip, especially for, you know, those listeners with babies, do a three hour road trip, you know, just somewhere that's three hours from your home, drive there, stay overnight, look for some fun activities to do and make that your first start. 
And then from there, you know, maybe either take a little bit of a longer road trip or maybe you get on a plane and, you know, somewhere you fly somewhere that's only an hour away. So it's really a matter of taking these small steps and going bit by bit. You know, I wouldn't recommend for your first trip out the gate to fly to Asia (laughs) and be on a plane for 18 hours, like with a baby, that's probably not the best first experience. So start small. And then when it comes to luxury travel, you know, we can talk about it a little bit more, you know, later in the episode, but I think generally speaking, you know, traveling with kids doesn't have to mean you're staying at the local motel and, you know, everything has to be kind of cheap and gross (laughs) because I think also, you know, when you think about luxury, a lot of people just think, oh, it's just like flying first class and like fancy hotels. But there's actually a lot of additional benefits that people don't realize that actually make it really important when you're traveling with kids, like staying at a hotel where they're more used to customizing service. So for example, on Top Flight Family, we have this section of the site called Family Traveler Spotlight, where I interview different families who have made traveling a priority, traveling with their kids a priority. And one of the awesome interviews I did was with Marguerite, who runs a site called Autistic Globetrotting. So she has two sons, one of them has autism, and they've been traveling the world since they were little. And what she pointed out is that she stays at luxury hotels, you know, she has the means to, so she's fortunate. But one of the biggest benefits for her is that they're able to cater to any special needs that she has. So, you know, whether it's needing house, like changing the sheets in the middle of the night or needing uh, certain foods prepared a different way, you know, they're much more like accustomed to customizing service to different guests. So it's not really just about feeling fancy and, you know, enjoying luxury, which of course that's part of the experience. But I think there's a lot of practical implications. Oh, or another thing that she mentioned was instead of waiting for a flight at the airport, instead of waiting outside the gate, you know, taking her sons into the first class lounge because it's a much more quiet environment, less stimuli for her son, and it just keeps him much more chilled out. So there's actually a lot of practical implications to upgrading your experience that little bit that makes a tremendous difference when you're traveling with kids. That makes sense. We started traveling with Vinny when he was pretty little, about a three to four hour drive away. So we fairly quickly, like when he was, I don't know, three weeks old or something, we started driving down to visit them. And the three to four hour drive was like six to seven hours with him. (laughs) Because (laughs) at that time, I felt like we had to stop like every 45 minutes to feed to nurse. I mean, you make such a good point about practicing and starting with those small steps, because it really did it just kind of trained us. And he was not an easy child. He was a screamer. And we had a lot of drives where it was a lot of screaming in the car. And we had flights where it was screaming on a plane. And we got off of one flight when he was like around, I think he was one and a half. When he was 10 months old, we went from Seattle to Boston. And the flight home was hours of screaming. And so I was like, we're not doing anything for a really long time. And I think that next year, we just did one one hour flight to go visit my mom. And then when he was around two, we went to Arizona to visit family. And he screamed so loud. The person, we were in a row of three. He was still on my lap at the time. The person next to us had to plug his ears like the whole entire flight. I was so embarrassed. (laughs) And I told my husband afterwards, I was like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not traveling with him for a really long time. It's so stressful. And when your trip ends with that kind of an, on that note, that's like how you remember the trip. You're like, all I remember from that trip is how horrible this flight was. 
But on the flip side, the benefit of having those experiences, even when you are suffering in the moment, is that you really learn how to start accommodating the needs of your child and their specific needs. And you learn how to work around that. And so we were able to start like, I got TSA pre-check as soon as I could. Like I had Vinny have his very own suitcase that he could pack himself. And like, there was all these little things where I started just like empowering the experience of travel Mm -hmm. for myself and for him. And that really helped over the long run. So now when we travel, he's like really involved in the whole thing and he's really into the whole thing. And it's like this fun, exciting thing. And it's gotten so much better, but because we tried it in different ways and we had to like figure out what works and what doesn't work. And I have to say, we were also really inspired by friends who have done a lot of European travel with a child who's Vinny's age. So they have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and they've done much bigger trips than us. And so I watched them and I'm like, oh my gosh, like if they can do this with two kids, we have to do a little bit of this with one, (laughs) but it's allowed us to like really push ourselves. And so we've done a number of trips with like a five to six hour flight now with him. And I always go in a little bit nervous, but at the same time, it's important to us and it's important to what we do and what we've found. And you're probably going to touch on this later is that like, there's not a big difference in like, you know, if we were to go to like do a five day vacation in California versus a five day vacation in Mexico, it's like the price is pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> and so yeah, like we went, we said the amount a, of packing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so like we went to Cabo, we didn't even realize how fancy it was till we got there. But we stayed in this really nice place in Cabo. And it wasn't that expensive. And we did a whole package thing. And it was like, great. And my husband at the time had been like, well, maybe we should just go to San Diego. And like San Diego is great. But I mean, if I can be like even more tropical, like let's do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, so that was really nice. I love what you said, sorry, about really empowering your son and getting him involved in the process because I think that's key, right? It's is that kids love traveling and yeah. it, the more involved they are, the more exciting it is. So super smart of right. you to do that. Right. And it also helps like with someone like him, like he routines are really helpful for him. And so now we have routines around travel. So that also really helps. It's like you have to do it enough to have the routines, but we definitely have some routines around travel, which makes it really helpful. Like he knows what to expect because we've done it enough, which I think that, you know, he's a kid that really thrives on routine. And if we did it really infrequently, it would probably be challenging every single time because he didn't know what to expect. So but he does really well with it as long as he knows what to expect. And I mean, we have to have some conversations about like how long we're going to be on the plane and what are we going to do during that time? <laughs> Those kinds of things. But yeah you, yeah, you learn as you go and you learn as your kids evolve and grow. And that's another thing is that like every phase is temporary. So when he screamed on the plane at 10 months, it was like, this is where we're at at 10 months. It's not where we're at forever. And when mm-hmm. he, he did it again at two and I was like, okay, this is where we're at at two, but we're not here forever. <laughs> so. Yeah. And you know, I think those experiences as painful or embarrassing as they are in the moment, you're also kind of working, conditioning your kids travel muscle, so to speak, to get used to it. Right. And so they learn the more times they do it, they learn how to be respectful of other passengers. They learn how to behave. You know, I think I hear a lot of parents, you know, saying things like, oh, I could never bring my kids. Some parents I know never even bring their kids to eat at any kind of restaurant, like not even a family restaurant. But it's like, if you don't start somewhere, how are they ever going to learn? You know, if you don't want to never do these things and then they're 21 and they don't know how to act. So I think starting early is key because it just trains them and prepares them and they become really great little travelers. Right. And you make a good point with the restaurant piece. It's easy to just stay home and make meals because 
that's easy and it's cheaper. But I think you have to look at like your goals as a family or your priorities as a family. And if you want to be out and be doing social things as a family or with other families, then like, yeah, practicing that restaurant thing is actually going to be somewhat significant. And the same thing with the travel pieces, like if that's a priority for your family and that's something that you really want to do and it's like a burning desire, then it's something you're going to have to practice. And like, sometimes it might kind of suck, but but you're going to learn from that. And sometimes it's going to be really amazing. And probably with in every trip, you're going to have both of those moments. You're going to have the moments where you're like, oh, not so into this. And then the moments where you're like, I can't believe I considered not doing this because I felt limited by either money or my, the kids or whatever that situation yeah. may be. What are the mistakes that you see parents making when it comes to family travel? You've kind of alluded to a few things, but are there any other specifics? Yeah, absolutely. There's three main mistakes that I would say that I see more often than not. And the first mistake is trying to do too many things. So when you're planning a trip, don't try to just cram in every single site and attraction and sightseeing destination into one trip. You're going to burn yourself out. Your kids will hate it. They'll be exhausted and it's just not fun. So what I recommend is schedule just one excursion per day and preferably do it in the morning because that's when you and the kids probably have the most energy and then just leave the afternoon completely open. So, you know, if you're at on a tropical vacation, you guys can just chill by the pool or the beach. Or if you're doing kind of a more of a city trip, then you can just leave that afternoon open to just wander around the city. So, you know, one thing to keep in mind that's helpful is just think you can always come back to the destination. And in a way, you know, if you didn't get to see everything the first time around, it makes it more exciting to go back. You know, for example, the summer we went to Aruba for the first time. Oh, oh that's on my list. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Definitely recommend it. And we got to do a lot of things, but there was one restaurant I really, really, really wanted to go to. It's called Z Rovers and it's right by the water and they catch the seafood right there and then they cook it for you. So it's like super fresh. It looked yeah. amazing, but we just weren't able to fit it in. And I felt really bad about it at the time. But then now looking back, I'm realizing like, no, this is actually cool because now next time we go back to Aruba, I have this to look forward to. So, you know, keep that in mind. So the second mistake I would say is overpacking. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't understand that at all. (laughs) Now, I know it's a personality thing, especially I think as women, some of us, you know, are oh naturally overpackers. Some of us are super minimalist. But, you know, just remember, you don't have to bring every single convenience from home with you. So just think about the essentials that you absolutely need and the essentials that you absolutely can't buy at the destination. So try not to pack things just in case. You know, if you're traveling with a baby or a toddler who's not potty trained, absolutely bring enough diapers for the trip. I think that's fine. Or maybe, you know, for half the trip. And then if you know that it's a place where you can easily buy diapers, then, you know, buy them there. But I think a lot of parents don't realize that there's a lot of destinations where when it comes to baby gear, like strollers and high chairs, you can actually rent it at the destination and it doesn't cost a lot. So for example, when we went to Disney in Orlando recently, one of my friends recommended, she's a big Disney head. (laughs) So she was like, You know, her biggest tip was get a double stroller. Even though your older daughter is older now, she's still going to be super tired. So rent a double stroller because you'll be glad that you did. And I'm really glad that we did. And so we used this stroller rental service and it was so convenient. They dropped the stroller off. So you book it online. They drop the stroller off at your hotel. You use it for the day. You give it back to the front desk and then they pick it up the following day. Completely seamless. And it just saves so much space. Right. And 
you know, try not to overpack. And I think if you're ready for the next challenge, some people might be rolling their eyes at this one, but <laughs> trust me, the next challenge is experiment with flying carry-on only. Ooh. <laughs> so we actually do this exclusively now, even if it's really? week-long. Yeah, we fly carry-on only. Obviously, the benefits are you skip the entire baggage check-in process. You save so much time at the airport. You don't have to worry about anything getting lost or stolen. And it's actually easier than you realize because if you think about it, let's say I'll take my own family as an example. So it's me, my husband, and we have two daughters. Now, each of us four people is allotted a carry-on bag, a personal item, and each of us gets our own allotment of liquids. Right. So if you think about it, you know, most of the time your kids' stuff doesn't take up that much space, especially clothes. I mean, I can basically pack both of their clothes easily in one carry-on suitcase, probably with a little extra space. And so we oftentimes have a whole carry-on that's empty that's just for extra stuff for souvenirs that we can bring back. And because all four of you have your allotment of liquids, you're able to use that and basically bring all the product you need for a week-long trip. So it's definitely something that can be done, you know, again, baby steps, but I think it's worthwhile thinking of that as sort of the destination. And you save money if you aren't having to pay to, you know, if that's four bags you're saving and checking each direction, that's potentially 200 extra bucks. Yeah. It's $200 you can spend on more luxurious things. Exactly. You can spend that on some of the things we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. So that's definitely a big tip. And then number three, I think, in terms of mistakes that parents make when they travel is when parents try to dumb it down too much. And what I mean by that is kids are a lot more curious and open-minded than I think sometimes we give them credit for. So, you know, when you're planning a trip, yes, absolutely plan a lot of kid-friendly activities. But that doesn't mean that every single thing has to revolve around like a comic book character or a cartoon character or a theme park ride. You know, kids have so much sort of innate curiosity about the world and about exploring nature. So really tap into that. And You know, I've actually been surprised with the reactions of our daughters to some of the things we've done on trips. So we actually also went to Cabo last year and, you know, we did a lot of different things. And so after the trip, I asked Sean, our older daughter, I was like, you know, which of the things we did was your favorite? And I figured she'd talk about some of the more like fun activities like, you know, the beach or different rides and things like that. But she was like, no, my favorite was the whale watching cruise. This episode is supported by Mysteries About True Histories, a podcast for your kiddos. So from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. On an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. This podcast is perfect for ages six and up, and new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. I love a show where, as a parent, you're like, hey, let's listen or watch this or whatever, and your kids are thinking they're like getting extra device time or what have you, and you're like, they're learning right now. 
So it feels like such a big win. So I want you to go check out Mysteries About True Histories wherever you listen to podcasts. You can tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast. So go check out Mysteries About True Histories to listen in and have some fun with your kid while they learn today. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with EarnIn. EarnIn is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the EarnIn app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So we, yeah, we took a cruise where it was about, you know, two, three hours out in the ocean and you just basically just go around looking for whales and usually they're super far off into the distance. You just see a little bit of a smudge and a lot of the time it's just sitting around waiting. And during the cruise, even though it was relaxing, I was kind of like, oh, I hope this isn't too boring for Sean. But it turns out that that was actually her favorite thing. And, you know, looking at that cruise, that wouldn't be something that you automatically thought, oh, that's a really kid friendly activity. But that's something that she enjoyed a lot. And then similarly, when we went to Aruba, we did all these like really fun things like what are those called? Like those inner tubes where they like pull it on a speedboat and then you almost fall off. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot what it's called. Those big yellow things. Right. I know what you're called. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) So again, I thought, oh, I'm sure because she's a very active kid. So I was like, oh, I'm sure her favorite will be that. And again, her favorite was something that took me by surprise. Her favorite was when we took this submarine ride. And so we go all the way like 100 feet down into the ocean and you get to see the fish and the marine life up close. So, you know, I think, you know, as parents, sometimes I think we need to give our kids a little more credit and don't feel like, oh, well, I just got to take them to like Chuck E. Cheese all the time or the equivalent of that because kids they have a lot of capacity for appreciating other things. That's such a great tip. I love that. So tell us the million dollar question. How can we travel in luxury without the luxury price tag? So we've talked a little bit about booking through Expedia or doing package deals. Do you have any other specific pointers about working around price points and getting the most for your money? 
Yes. So definitely, you know, package deals is always a great way to save. And then, you know, as a general tip, you definitely want to sign up for all the different loyalty programs. So whenever you fly, you want to make sure that you're earning miles for that flight. Now there's earning miles and hacking credit cards. That's a whole other topic that I will admit I'm not an expert in, but I definitely recommend there's a site called the points guy. So the points and the GUI guy, and that's a fantastic resource for getting smart on all of that. So there's, I will link to that in our show notes for this episode over at shamelessmom.com episode 90 so that you guys can hop over to that site if you want to. Yeah. So definitely get smart on that because there's a lot of whether it's flying for free or upgrading to first class that you can do without actually spending any cash, which is great. But the three sort of tips I'm going to give actually relate to a survey that we did recently at Top Flight Family. So we actually decided that we would do a research study to figure out what are the travel habits or preferences of affluent families. And so we went out and we interviewed families all across the country who make 100000 per year or more and asked them different questions relating to their family travel. And one of the questions that we asked was, you know, there's a lot of different upgrades or add-ons that you can pay extra for when you travel. But, you know, for your family, what are the top three that you think are the most worth the money? And so their top three was number one, upgrading to a suite or villa. Number two, signing up for global entry or TSA pre-check. And then number three, kids clubs. So we'll take each one at a time. So the number one, and this is 71% of survey respondents said the number one perk you want to do is upgrade to a suite or villa. And The reason that this is so important is rather than cramming the whole family into one room, just a simple luxury of having a separate bedroom with a door that closes and then letting your kids sleep on the pullout couch in the living area is a massive, massive luxury upgrade for your family. (laughs) It is. Right? My child talks in his sleep constantly. I refuse to share. (laughs) I would rather sleep on the bathroom floor than sleep in the same room with my kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean whether your kid is a babbler or not, right? Right. It's such a better experience. You can put your kids to bed earlier. You can stay up later with your partner in the bedroom. And, you know, obviously, even though it's a family vacation, as parents, we want a little, you know, little alone time, right? Yeah. It's um, a vacation for everyone, right? So. Exactly. It's a vacation for us too. <laughs> right. So, you know, it can crack a bottle of wine, kind of enjoy, you know, each other's company. And the thing is like, this doesn't have to cost a fortune. So, You know, certainly if you're already staying at a luxury hotel, you can look into how much it would be to upgrade to a suite. But the reality is that a lot of the lower to mid-tier hotels have an amazing selection of suites. So, you know, some of my favorites are like embassy suites. They have locations all over the place. They're an all-suites hotel. Hampton Inn has really great one-bedroom suites where the door closes. And another tip is look into hotels that cater to extended stay travelers. So there's hotels that are really catering primarily to like business travelers that maybe are stationed in a particular office for like a month or so. But they work really well for families too because they often have a full kitchen. So look for chains like Homewood Suites or Hilton Garden Inn. Those have really great sort of apartment style setups which work well for families. The one tip I will give you is that One thing you want to make sure of is always, before you book, always call the hotel and just make sure that there's an actual door to the bedroom that will close. Because if you do this often enough, you'll find that different hotels have different ideas of what a suite is. Yes, we've (laughs) learned that. (laughs) So sometimes a suite is just like a room with a couch and bed. Right. In the same room. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah. Or, you know, even if they say separate bedroom, sometimes it's in a separate room, but there's no door. Right. So that's not super helpful. So yeah, definitely you want to make sure that it's actually separated. So then the second, you know, back to the survey, the second tip that our survey respondents gave was to sign up for global entry and or TSA pre-check, which is something that you've mentioned already yeah. on the episode. So, you know, just to kind of explain for those of you who are not familiar. So one of the perks, like if you were to fly first class, one of the many perks that you get is that you actually go through a much shorter and quicker security line. But the thing is, you can actually get that same experience uh, flying coach. So what you do is you sign up for TSA PreCheck. So this is a program that's offered by the government. It costs $85 per person and it lasts five years. And it basically it allows you to go through a separate security line. It's about 90% shorter than the regular line. And you don't have to take off your shoes and you don't have to take out your laptops or your liquids. So this just makes it so much quicker. And especially with kids, you know, it just makes it so much quicker. Now, and kids don't if, have to get their own preach. I just yeah. learned this. So kids up to 12 can go under an adult's pre-check. So they don't exactly. have to have their own $85 fee to do that. And exactly. it's a one time or it's how often do you have to get it? Is it every five years? Did you say that? Yeah, it lasts for five yeah, years. So you're not doing it like per trip. And oh, if you're traveling to the holidays. So I got this a while ago, but I made my husband get it because we're traveling at Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. And I was like, you have to get this because we all have to do pre-check together because I'm not getting in your security line and you can't get in <laughs> mine. And even if you're just traveling around holidays, it's worth getting because just to get through holiday or like Thanksgiving and Christmas lines, it's worth having. Yeah. And if you think about it, averaged over five years, it's less than 20 bucks a year. Right. So definitely worth it. Totally. Now, if you're planning to travel internationally, what I would recommend instead of TSA PreCheck is apply for something called global entry. So again, this is a government program where when you enter, when you, let's say you fly abroad and you're flying back into the U.S., you skip that long immigration line and instead you go to this little kiosk, you scan your passport and your fingerprints, you just fill out the customs form and then you go straight to the baggage claim. So it saves a ton of time, especially on certain international flights that are like massive. Like sometimes at JFK, the lines are insane. So you save a lot of time. Now, the way this program works is it costs $100, so it's a little bit more. And again, it's good for five years. However, the TSA pre-check is included for free. Nice. So, you know, if you're planning just to travel mostly domestically for the next five years, get TSA pre-check. That's fine, especially since your kids don't need it. But if you're going to be flying out of the country, I definitely recommend doing global entry instead. Shoot, now I wish I got global entry. I, did, <laughs> I didn't realize it was so close price wise. Oh, well, I have a tip for you. Oh, tell coming me. Coming up of how, yeah, of how you can get it. So okay. one thing that's different about this versus TSA PreCheck is with TSA PreCheck, kids under 12 don't need their own membership, but with global entry, they do. Okay. So kids would need their own. So, you know, each kid, you would need to pay a hundred bucks for each kid for the five years. Okay. However, there are actually ways that you can get global entry membership completely for free. And the way you do that is there are certain credit cards that if you charge the global entry fee to the credit card, they'll completely credit it. So they'll refund you completely. Okay. So some of the credit cards that offer this, at least while we're at the time of this recording, are Chase Sapphire Reserve. If you read the points guy, like everybody loves this card. <laughs> so Chase Sapphire Reserve, you're going to read a lot about that if you go to that blog. American Express Platinum. I believe both the personal and the business card offers it. And then also there's a card from Citibank called City Prestige. And so those three cards, there may be more, but those are the three I know of that offer that perk. Cool. So you can actually, you don't even need to pay anything for it. 
Nice. I will have all those noted in the show notes. What was the third one? Citibank? It's a city prestige. Citibank prestige or just city prestige? Uh, I think it's just city prestige. Okay. Okay. Noted. So yeah, so that's the global entry TSA pre-check. And then the third and last sort of upgrade that our survey respondents said are super worth splurging for are kids clubs. So if you've ever stayed at a sort of family friendly resort, you may already be familiar with these. But you know, for those of you who aren't, a lot of hotels and resorts are now offering kids clubs. So it's a special room with tons of toys and activities where you can actually drop your kid off And they'll keep them entertained for, you know, whether it's a couple hours or the whole day. And these are so worth it because, you know, even on a family vacation, everybody needs a break from each other, (laughs) Um, including your kids, right? Like your kids need a break from you too. It's not just vice versa. And so, you know, definitely if you're staying at a place that offers this, or if you haven't picked a hotel yet, you know, look for one that offers this. Now, the way they actually work will vary from hotel to hotel. So for some hotels, it's completely free and you're free to drop your kid off for as long as you want each day. Some will actually charge you a per use fee. And then some hotels, it'll be kind of a bit like more unstructured. So it might just basically be supervised playtime, essentially. So the kids are just on their own playing with all the stuff in the club and then there's adults watching them, making sure they're safe. And so, you know, you go from that and then it ranges all the way to some higher end resorts, particularly who will have really structured and cool activities. Like we were fortunate enough to visit Cape Cod this summer and we stayed at the Wiquaset, which is a resort that's been around for a long time. And their kids club is unbelievable. So they have like every day there's a different theme. So one day they had a whole chef for a day theme. And so the kids went into the kitchen with the chef and learned how to bake cookies and decorate them. And then in the afternoon they made lemonade and then they went and set up a lemonade stand and they were selling lemonade to the other guests to raise money for kids cancer. You know, there was another day where they did this whole pirate theme. And so they took the kids out on a boat. They learned about marine life. They did a treasure hunt. And then at the end of the day, they were walking down the beach and then the real life pirate was actually there. Oh, cool. And it was so very, very, very cool. So there's a lot of different types of experiences that kids clubs offer and, you know, price points will vary, but it's definitely something worth looking into. And let's say you're traveling to a place that doesn't offer a kids club One thing is I would definitely recommend at least for, you know, whether even if it's just an afternoon, a couple hours is you can always hire a babysitter to watch your kids for a couple hours so that you can, you know, go off and spend an afternoon, you know, with each other. It's great to have a little bit of that separation during a family vacation because it's fun for kids to socialize with other kids. And then it's also fun for them to meet new adults as well. So those are all educational experiences. So tell us why we should skip a Disney vacation and what would you recommend instead? This is when you emailed me, you (laughs) said this in your email and I was like, I'm so intrigued because we're just getting into the age of my son doesn't know about Disney land or any of that yet. But I feel like it's like on the horizon, like he's four, we've had a few friends do Disneyland, more and more are planning on it in the next couple of years. So I feel like it feels like it's this rite of passage that every family has to do. There's a lot of other things I would much rather do. So please tell me what we should do instead. (laughs) Okay, so I think first of all, I would say you don't necessarily have to skip the Disney vacation. I think it's a fun destination. We've done it twice now. So it's definitely worth doing. So I don't think it has to be skipped necessarily. But I think that the thing that's just a big pet peeve of mine is, 
you know, there are some families who don't travel much at all and they'll save and scrimp the entire year and they'll blow it all on one single Disney vacation each year. And to me, that just seems like, you know, it just kind of breaks my heart a little bit because, well, A, it's not cheap to go to Disney, no. oh as I'm gosh. sure you know. I have been blown away <laughs> yeah. by people. When I was in the fifth grade and I went, this is the one time I went on a plane as a young child. And I remember at that time, I want to say it was like, was it $75 a day or something? And that was like mind blowing, that kind of money. Yeah. And now what is it now per day? I don't even know. It's got to be in the three figure range, I yeah. would imagine. Oh, yeah. Crazy, crazy. So and then everything that you do there costs it. I mean, aside from the rides, but I mean, there's tons of other opportunities to spend money while you're there. Every yeah, day, so. yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it's not a knock on Disney. I think, you know, a lot of kids enjoy it. It's definitely something you should do. But I would definitely discourage you from thinking that this is the vacation that we do every single year as a family, right, right. because there's just so many more ways that you could spend your money to go and see the world. And also, you know, just a little bit more about the Disney thing. You know, I think parents often think that, oh, well, my kid loves Disney, so the, he's going to drag us there. But I think a lot of the times, like the Disney obsession is often more put onto kids by parents than arising naturally from kids. And, you know, just as an example, you know, we took in, when was it? April, we took our girls to Disney World. And, you know, we're not a super crunchy family. Like my girls watch tons of TV. They were raised on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, all that stuff. <laughs> Obsessed with Frozen, like every other girl. So, you know, they're definitely had a healthy exposure to the whole world of Disney. So we went to Magic Kingdom and, you know, we got there actually really early in the day. And then by mid afternoon, we were like, man, we should just go. And so my husband and I were like, oh, I know they're going to freak out when we say it's time to go home. <laughs> But you know what? They didn't. We were like, oh, well, you know, I think we're going to head back to the hotel now. They're like, oh, OK. And you know what? They have not mentioned going back to Disney like one time since we left. So I think this idea that, oh, my God, every kid like naturally begs for Disney, Disney, Disney. It's not always the case. I think very often it's parents who either loved going there when they were kids or maybe they never got the chance to go there. You know, so sometimes I think a lot of it is imposed by the parents. That makes something. a lot of sense. Yeah, naturally coming from kids. So, And if you've given them a variety of experiences, then they have a little bit more to pick and choose from. And so, right. I mean, I can see if they have these other valuable travel experiences, then they might, Disney doesn't shine as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's a great point. If they have more of a reference guide of other things that they could do. So in terms of, you know, where to start, if you go to, actually, I should explain. So Top Flight Family, it's a site that's all about luxury family travel. So we cover all kinds of different, whether it's different countries to go to and where to go in each country, to specific reviews of specific hotels, to travel tips, how to fly carry on only, what's the best way to pack your suitcase, you know, things like that. So if you are interested, if you're just kind of starting out on your travel journey, I would encourage you to look at two different parts of our site. So the first part is there's a travel best of section. And so this is where we break down the best destinations for kids in each region. So what are the best destinations in North America, you know, in the US, in Canada, in Africa, Latin America. So that's a great sort of overview to get a sense of, oh, you know, I'm interested in this general region. What are some of the places that are more 
doable when we're traveling with kids. And then the other section I would definitely point you to as a great resource is Family Traveler Spotlight, which I've mentioned earlier. This is where we interview different families that have made traveling with their kids a priority. And it's just really inspiring to hear from families who have done it and are out there doing it. And they're all from all walks of life, from all different parts of the world. And it's just really cool to see that, yeah, there's other families out there doing this. And the more you read about their stories, the more it's like, oh, yeah, this can be a norm. You know, this is not necessarily the exception. We can be like this, too. So I think those are two great resources. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I think you make a really good point. I've actually known people of all socioeconomic backgrounds who have prioritized travel in different ways. And it's something that everyone can do on different budgets. And whether it's road trip kinds of travel or Mm -hmm. overseas global entry kind of, you know, first class, everything. I mean, the spectrum is so huge. But I think that the value is so tremendous. And coming from a childhood where we didn't have the opportunity to travel, and then really trying to make that something important in my son's life, I see the two sides of it. I see the things that I didn't get to see. And I don't like begrudge my parents that at all. But I'm so excited about the things that we definitely do want to do with Vinny and taking advantage of some of those things. And even though he's only four, like we're looking at going to Europe in the next year. And how can we make that like something that will be a really great memory for him, but also for us, because I've never been to Europe. And so I have to check out all your resources. Because when you do something like Europe, you know, another country, like you do want to make it something that's really valuable for you as the adult, as well as also like fun for the child, so that you're not just dragging them constantly. So but yeah, there's such a range of things that you can do at different ages and stages and also at different price points. So that's so important. So I'll definitely link up to your website so everyone can get all of that information out of our show notes. So again, that would be over at shamelessmom.com and you want to go to episode 90. And then tell us a little bit, Carmen, about the legacy that you're building and how does being shameless play into your legacy? So the legacy that I really want to build with Top Flight Family is really to inspire families to travel with their kids. I think it's so important. You know, I think traveling with kids has always been important, but especially after this election, I think it's becoming even more important. You know, with this incoming administration, we're going to be hearing a lot of extreme rhetoric about other countries, right? We're going to hear about how countries like China and Mexico are out to steal our jobs or how countries in the Middle East hate our freedom. So there's going to be a lot of these sweeping statements. And so we need to be mindful of the messages that our children are exposed to. And what better way to counteract those messages than by actually taking our kids to those countries that people are talking about to see for themselves, you know, so they can see, wow, are these people really out to steal our jobs? Do these people really hate our freedom? No, you'll find that in most parts of the world, people really admire the United States. And, you know, while they certainly know that the U.S. is not a perfect country, there's actually a lot of admiration for a lot of the things that we have in this country. So I think traveling is really important from that aspect. But, you know, while I think we've always thought of traveling as being about exposing our kids to the world. Increasingly, I think it's just as important for us to expose the world to us. And what I mean by that is, you know, regardless of your political views, whether you support Trump or not, you know, I think it's no secret that a lot of people in other countries are looking at the U.S. with major side eye right now. Yes. (laughs) You know, that they are wondering, (laughs) wow, what does this mean? Like, what does this mean for the values that you espouse? You know, is the U.S. synonymous with hatred and division? So I think it's really on us to get out there in the world and really represent, no, 
you know, the U.S. is not about those values. It's really about freedom and the right to choose and all of these wonderful values that are baked into the history. So, you know, for me, I guess the shameless part is not just, you know, exposing your kids to the world, but then also getting out there and being shameless about exposing the world to your values and saying, no, this is what our country stands for. So, I think that's just really important, especially at a time like this. I love that. And I agree. I'm actually going to the Philippines in March, not my whole family, just me. And I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> like, are they going to think that like, it's easy to jump to the conclusion that like, everyone just thinks that anyone from the US now is a Trump supporter. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of terrified. <laughs> <laughs> no, you shouldn't. Like, so be. <laughs> I know my husband and I were laughing about it the other day. Like, how can I distinguish myself? And you know, just a shout out to the people who are Trump supporters. You know, I do know some Trump supporters and they are very clear about the fact that, yes, I support Trump, but I do not support these negative values. Yes. So if yes, that's, that's a case, very, that's a very yeah, important so point. Thank you. If that's the case, then I think even more important for you to go out there and kind of communicate that yes. so that people understand. So right, right. yeah, I think it's super important, especially now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that was a good, a good clarification. So can you tell us where we can find you and where we can find all these resources? And I'll link everything up at the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So you can go find Top Flight Family at topflightfamily.com. And we are on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter. You can, you know, just search for Top Flight Family on all of those and you'll find us. And then I'll just also just, you know, I mentioned a great place to start if you haven't done much traveling is you don't need a passport. Travel right here in the U.S. We're lucky enough to live in this enormous country with so many cool places and so many beautiful landscapes. And so I've actually put together a guide for Shameless Mom Academy listeners. Thank you. (laughs) So it's the Top Flight Family Guide to the 10 Best Vacations for Kids in the U.S., And so we break down 10 of the most kid-friendly destinations right here in the U.S. where you can travel to without a passport. So it's everything from Colonial Williamsburg and all the fun stuff you can do there to, you know, some of the amazing cities we have like San Francisco and Washington, D.C. And what are the kid-friendly activities to do and also where to stay. And so you can find that at topflightfamily.com slash shameless. Love that. Thank you so much for giving us something special. So I will make sure I link to that resource in the show notes as well. So you guys can all head over and start planning vacations. This has been so fun, Carmen, and I really appreciate you coming on and spending time sharing your passion, but also sharing something that's such a valuable resource for all of us and inspiring us to go be part of the bigger world rather than (laughs) feeling limited and claustrophobic in our own homes and cities sometimes. So thank you so much and keep doing the stuff that you're doing and come back again and tell us as you continue to collect advice and vacations under your belts, definitely come back and tell us more. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for joining Carmen and me today. I hope you had fun. I'm sure you're feeling super inspired to go book a vacation now, right? I know I am. I have like three or four in mind, a few of my reference during the show. So I am ready to get some traveling in. If this episode was helpful to you and you think it might be helpful to other moms, especially families you know who might be interested in traveling soon, please share this episode. You can go to shamelessmom.com and then click on episode 90 to get a link for the episode. And then you can share that via email or via social media. And of course, you can find us on social media 
media and share from our platforms over on Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy. You can also just see me hanging out from day to day between episodes, mostly on Instagram. I post a lot more photos there. I do get to Facebook from time to time as well. And we also, of course, are doing Facebook Live on pretty much on a weekly basis over at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook. So join me in all those places. I can't wait to connect with you. And thank you again for spending time with Carmen and with me today. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.